98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top story is the Constitutional Affairs Minister dismisses concerns that LegCo may be operating without a mandate. Civic Party Chairwoman Alan Leong says pan-Democrats should not boycott the extended session of LegCo. And the Basic Law Committee Vice Chairwoman Maria Tam brushes aside fears that the arrest of a media tycoon had undermined press freedom. The Secretary for Constitutional and Mainland Affairs has dismissed concerns the Legislative Council will be operating without a mandate after its term was extended by at least a year. Violet Wong reports. The 2020 LegCo election was postponed by at least a year because of a recent surge in local COVID-19 cases. In order to fill this power vacuum, existing lawmakers will be allowed to stay on in their roles. Speaking on the radio program, Eric Zhang said LegCo will be operating with a mandate as the decision was made by the nation's top legislature, which in itself represents people's views. The Constitutional Affairs Minister said previously elected lawmakers had been voted in in a fair and open manner, and he can't see why they cannot represent the people in the coming year. He urged all lawmakers to return to work on improving people's livelihood. Mr Zeng added that authorities will be looking into how voting arrangements during emergencies can be improved. He says some people stranded overseas or in the mainland have complained that they were not able to come back to Hong Kong to vote. The Civic Party chairman, Alan Lung, says pan-Democrats should remain in the extended session of LegCo, although some in the camp believe they should boycott what they call an unconstitutional session. Mr Leung says it would be weird if they chose to leave the legislature when they had the chance to stay and reflect people's views. He said it's vital that the opposition camp is present in LegCo to monitor the government. You need only to think back to what happened last year when the Kerry Lam administration was trying to bulldoze through the Legislative Council this Fugitive Offenders Amendment Bill. Can you imagine all 22 pandemic legislators had not been there? The bill would already have been passed. So, well, if this administration is determined to do bad things, at least the legislators are there in the Legislative Council to make sure that they will do it within the purview of the public. The Deputy Director of the Basic Law Committee, Maria Tam, has brushed aside concerns that the arrest of media mogul Jimmy Lai under the national security law has undermined press freedom and freedom of speech. Speaking on a radio programme, she said Mr Lai's newspaper, Apple Daily, is still being published. Ms Tam added that while people should still speak up when the government makes a mistake, no one should seek foreign sanctions against Hong Kong or try to paralyse or overthrow the administration. Two Japanese cabinet ministers have visited the controversial Yasukuni Shrine in Tokyo on the 75th anniversary of Japan's defeat in the Second World War. It's the first time in four years that such senior government members have visited the shrine. BBC's Rupert Wingfield Hayes reports. Tokyo's Yasukuni Shrine is home to the spirits of Japan's two and a half million war dead. This morning, despite 36-degree heat and COVID-19, thousands of ordinary people lined up to pay their respects. But the Yasukuni Shrine also honours 14 of Japan's wartime leaders, men who were later convicted as Class A war criminals. Any visit to the shrine by a senior Japanese politician is considered highly offensive in Korea and China. 
The United States Postal Service has issued a warning that not all postal ballots for the presidential election in November will necessarily arrive in time to be counted. Owing to coronavirus, a huge increase in mail-in voting is expected this year. This analysis from the BBC's David Willis. The Postal Service cannot guarantee that all ballots cast by mail this November will arrive in time to be counted. That raises the possibility of potentially millions of American voters being disenfranchised. The Postal Service says it's only making states aware of its own limitations, but Democrats fear that all this plays into President Trump's attempts to cast doubt on the integrity of the vote in the event that he loses this election and then has to challenge it. US President Donald Trump has ordered the Chinese company ByteDance to divest its interests in the American operations of the video-sharing app TikTok within 90 days. The app has millions of users in the United States, but Mr Trump says TikTok can be forced by China to share personal data. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Estonia's foreign minister has said the presidential election in Belarus, in which President Alexander Lukashenko claimed a landslide re-election victory, was not democratic. Speaking to the BBC, Urmas Reinsalu dismissed Mr Lukashenko's claim to have won 80% of Sunday's vote. It is uh, his habit to falsify elections. This is a tradition of his own. And to look uh, also the large scale of democratic activities, the massive uh, registration of voters, also the uh, independent exit polls across the world. These all show that these uh, elections were not fair, they're not democratic, and they didn't give any legitimacy to Lukashenko. Mr Reinsalu said an even greater concern was the state use of violence against people protesting against the election result. The Hezbollah leader, Hassan Nasrallah, says if it turns out that Israel was behind last week's devastating explosion in Beirut, then it would pay a heavy price. Hezbollah will not remain quiet about a huge crime on this scale. Israel will pay an equal price to the crime it has committed, if indeed it has committed it. In a televised speech, Sheikh Nasrallah said that two theories were under investigation, that the blast was an accident or sabotage. He also suggested unnamed forces were trying to push Lebanon into civil war. Bolivia's main trade union has called off a nationwide roadblock campaign after the government approved a law preventing a further postponement of the country's general election. The election has been pushed back twice since May, but not all the protesters, mostly supporters of the exiled former president Evo Morales, are happy about the trade union's decision. Here's the BBC's Candice Piet. There's one group, for example, that represents indigenous groups in Chukisaka. They've been saying that they would be prepared to return to the barricades if their leaders were arrested or persecuted. So they're still very suspicious of the government. Another very large group up in El Alto, the largest town in Bolivia, they are calling for the resignation of the interim president, Janini Agnes, and they're saying that they have been betrayed by the main trade union, that they want to carry on protesting. So it seems like lifting this protest it's going to be a much more of a phased operation with each particular opposition group deciding what it wants to do and when. 
Sports news now, and we start with football. An incredible result in the Champions League with Bayern Munich sending out a start message to the rest of the teams still left in the mini-competition, being played out in the Portuguese capital, Lisbon. The German side trounced Barcelona by eight goals to two in their quarter-final. The BBC's Ian Dennis was there. Bayern Munich were scintillating as they battered Barcelona. High intensity from the start through to the end. Barcelona wilted, conceding three goals in the last eight minutes as they were left humiliated. Bayern simply were outstanding as Barcelona struggled with Thomas Muller so impressive with an all-round display. Four goals in each half as Bayern breezed through to the semi-finals, leaving Barcelona bewildered and embarrassed. In athletics, Uganda's Joshua Cheptegei produced an astonishing run in Monaco at the first Diamond League meeting of the season. He broke the 16-year-old 5,000 metres world record by almost two seconds. The 23-year-old world champion came home in 12 minutes 35.36 seconds, bettering the previous mark set by Ethiopian great Kenanisa Bekele. Ronnie O'Sullivan will play fellow Englishman Kyron Wilson over two days and the best of 35 frames for the world snooker title in Sheffield. Wilson took a 62-minute last frame decider to get past Anthony McGill, 17-16, and that was also the score as O'Sullivan defeated Mark Selby. The player they call the Rocket isn't too happy at the prospect of having fans back in the arena for the final. You look at other sports like tennis, golf, football, what are called a proper sports, you know, like, and, and they, they, I think they, they've taken, they've been responsible enough to say, look, we're not having no crowds, you know, uh, and that's the right thing to do. But I get it, there's a, there's a bit of cash to be made, you know, and, but I think at some point, like, especially in a time like this, I think it's right to do the responsible thing and, and put people's health first. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Constitutional Affairs Minister dismisses concerns that LegCo may be operating without a mandate. Civic Party Chairman Alan Leong says pan-Democrats should not boycott the extended session of LegCo and the Basic Law Committee Vice Chairwoman Maria Tam brushes aside fears that the arrest of a media tycoon had undermined press freedom. That's the news from RTHK. 5.67am, Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week we have two musical themes on offer. First, our featured new album, just released yesterday, from Montreal-based Latino band Sonido Pesao. And a selection of hot new hits from a lot of other places on the planet. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And they are from Rome. We start off with a hot new track from other places, as in Ghana, with the band Santrofi. They just released their debut album. They're an eight-member or an eight-musician ensemble, led and founded by bass player Emmanuel Ofori. They have quite a pedigree. Uh, it's uh, Ghanaian percussion, bass, brass, multiple guitars, horn arrangements, and backing vocals, and uh, they go for classic high life from Ghana, as they only can. Their debut album is called Alewa, uh, and Alewa apparently is a metaphor for a very popular local suite in Ghana. It's a striped black and white local suite, 
and therefore for them uh, it symbolizes uh, the need to recognize, accept, tolerate and embrace racial diversity uh, to build a world with love and unity. <laughs> and if you're listening to For the Bird Sounds, uh, you're not far off. Their band name, Santrofi, in fact, it refers to a rare and precious bird in Akan mythology in Ghana. And apparently it's uh, the bird itself is identified by its bright colors and, drumroll please, four wings. In fact, uh, this mythical bird is so unique, it was forbidden to be hunted. <laughs> you try to lock up the bird, you get bad luck. So the best thing to do was, if it was spotted, you left it to fly away, and then great luck and fortune could be expected. So the band Santrofi, named after this mythical bird... And their debut album called uh, Alewa, which is the black and white striped suite from Ghana, have this track on the charts. Their first uh, track from the album, it's called Kwakwa, classical highlife from Ghana. Once my age, once my age. 